0: Thanks for listening to the Bellevue Christian Church Podcast. We're a church in Bellevue, Pennsylvania, where ordinary people are learning to live everyday life like Jesus. We believe that one way to learn that life is by engaging with an ancient but active collection of books called the Bible every single week. If this teaching leaves you with a question about the content or a story of what God is doing in your life, please send a message to hello at church because we'd love to hear from you. Well, good morning. I thought I'd start close to your heart, kind of hold those issues close to your heart. Some of you especially hold some of these issues very close to your heart, and so much so that you want to see justice come, because these are areas of injustice. But the reality is, is that in a world of injustices, and the reality is that, again, these justices or justice seems beyond the reach of many people today. But the good news is we learn about in today's book of Isaiah, we learn about that Isaiah saw on the horizon, You know, just like we heard in that song, saw on the horizon a hope coming. He saw the hope of a Messiah coming down the road, a Messiah that one day would lead the the country, the nation, the world in righteousness and justice. Again, we're continuing this series called Longing for Advent. Longing for Advent. And what we're doing in this series is beginning to, to look at the advent of Christ. When we talk about advent, the word advent actually means arrival or coming. And so we're talking about, for one, the first coming of Jesus, or the first coming of God in the baby of Jesus, so all the, the manger situation, the manger setting, and all that. But we're also talking about the second coming of Jesus, where Jesus will come as a victorious king. And so what we're doing is looking through this ancient book of Isaiah and really looking, using Isaiah to kind of examine her. Uh, to find some answers to some of our our deepest longings. And we find in the book of Isaiah, what we've been finding is that Isaiah points to answers that can be found in both the first and the second coming of Jesus. And really what we've done so far is some of the things we've done is is look at the the longing for presence. Last week we looked at the the longing for light in a dark world. Today we're going to look at a longing for justice in what many perceive as a very unjust world a little refresher again isaiah is, a, is an eighth century bc prophet that was charged with speaking or uh, speaking both good news and bad news into the nation of israel and during his time really things were looking pretty bleak because there was this king ahaz who pretty much had turned his back completely on god and because he had turned his back on god because he has rejected his commandments and he kind of created a dark situation in the kingdom, in the kingdom that he was king over, in the kingdom of Israel. He presented; he actually found himself in really a grave situation where he had all the enemies surrounding him pretty much ready to attack him. As we saw last week, though, in the midst of this dark time, this guy named Isaiah stands up, and he gives this kind of an interesting little prophecy. He says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in a land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And if you've been with us the last few weeks, we know that the that light that he's talking about is really talking about the birth of a of a baby, the birth of a child that we talked about a few weeks ago, the birth of Emmanuel, which means God with us, also known as Jesus Christ. And again, that's speculation, but you know, if we, we jump down a few more verses, we see that there's words that could only be descriptive of Jesus. Reading down about verse 6, beginning verse 6, it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. I mean, that's, a, that's an amazing, amazing description of the coming Messiah that really can only be ascribed to Jesus Christ. And all this, these words, these adjectives that are used in here, you know, we could easily unpack, spend weeks and weeks unpacking them. But we don't have a lot of time left to do that. So today what I want to do is just focus on the attribute of this king, this coming king, called his justice. We see that at the end of verse 7 where it says, He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. You know, it's easy to read a a lengthy book like Isaiah, even a lengthy passage like we see here in in chapter 9, and really just kind of skip over these words like justice and righteousness. But even if we were to skip over here, we'd likely encounter the word justice somewhere else because the word justice is actually uh the word justice or one of its variants is found in over 200 passages in the bible you know in some passages you read uh it's translated justice the underlying hebrews is translated justice other places it's translated to uphold a cause like upholding the cause of a widow in some places it's coupled with the word righteousness because righteousness and justice fit very well together in fact justice is basically some people describe justice as doing the right thing so we see all these all these passages about justice and one thing that we can be sure of in the midst of all these passages is that we or at least the jewish people were called to be a people of justice one passage that spells this out very clearly is in the, in the prophet micah where he writes and what does the lord require of you to act justly to love mercy and to walk humbly with god it's justice is a requirement. Now the question is, well, what does justice mean? What does it really mean? You know, in a world we just kind of throw that word justice out there without really know what it means. Now I may be oversimplifying it, but a nice little basic, concise definition of justice is to give people their due. To give people their due, and we're talking about giving people their due. It can have both a a a, a, a negative format, a negative form and a positive form. A negative form is just basically making sure that criminals, when they do something wrong, they get their due, they get their justice. That's kind of the negative form. And although we know that it's really what it describes is the civil uh, justice system that we have, and whether or not we, we, we like the way the justice system works you know, we know that most of us know the benefit of it. We have to have a justice system, especially if, if, if we are somehow a victim of a crime or somebody we love is a victim of a crime. So we have the criminal justice system for a reason. So that's the negative form of justice. When we begin to think about the positive form of justice, we're kind of entering into this strange arena that we'd refer to as social justice. And so again, if justice can be defined as to give people their due... We can define social justice as ensuring that individuals receive their due from society. That's again, you know, it's a loose definition, but I think it works for the purpose of this sermon. Anyway, the idea of social justice is is that everyone would get their due. You know, what are they? I haven't said the Pledge of Allegiance in a while, but what does it end with? With liberty and justice for some, for all. But yet we find that social justice is often geared towards a certain class of people, especially towards the vulnerable people. In fact, if we looked in the Bible, if we, if we, see, if we looked up justice and we begin to examine the justice passage in the Bible, we would see that justice is often geared for the people that can't help themselves. You know, the orphans, the widows, the aliens, the immigrants, the, the, the people, the prisoners, the sick. Because these are people that, again, would be, you know, are very vulnerable to being harmed by somebody else. And so these are the people that, again, were the target in the Bible of justice. In fact, again, the Jewish people were required to give justice to the people. So much so that the, the, the guy named Job that we read about in the Old Testament used actually his justice, his, his, his justice towards people as a defense against his friends, his so-called friends, who would accuse him of doing wrong. You know, some of you know that most of you know the story of Job. Again, Job was a very righteous man, did everything right, so much so that that God allowed Satan to come in and mess with his his family, his possessions, and everything else to see if he would renounce God. And God said, You know, you go for it. Just go for it. And sure enough, Satan went in and destroyed his home, destroyed his family, destroyed his livestock. And in the midst of all this, his so-called friends kind of stand up and they begin to accuse Job of doing something wrong because that was obviously God's wrath against him. And basically, in his defense, what Job says, no, you know, I actually have done everything I was supposed to do. Then I rescued the poor who cried for help and the fatherless who who had none to assist him. The man who was dying blessed me. I made the widow's heart sing. I put on righteousness as my clothing. Justice was my robe and my turban. Justice was my robe and my turban. It has the sense of basically saying that justice was his lifestyle. That's the righteous man that he was. And so you ask the question, you know, why? Why why, why was justice so important to these people? The most basic answer is because they worshiped a just God, a God who was characterized by justice. You know, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't do justice like we do justice today because it's the, the trendy thing to do or because of our political affiliation or religious denomination says this is something we're supposed to do. No, they, they, they did it because, again, they worship a, a God who was characterized by justice. And there's dozens and dozens of passages that speak to the justice of God. A few of them are like this. A few of them include uh, psalm, psalm 33, where it says, The Lord loves justice, a righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. Another psalm says, Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains. Your justice like the great deep. And then a long, uh, more lengthy passage is found in Psalm 146, where it says, speaking of God, it says, he upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteousness. The Lord watches over the alien and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. Justice. They serve in Old Testament. You know, they, 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 again, they did justice because they served the God of justice. A lot of Old Testament passages speak of this. And again, because God was a God of justice, and the people were made in the image of God, that meant that they were supposed to be people of justice. Now, some people today would argue and say, well, that's that's nice, Chuck, but that's Old Testament stuff. And we're a New Testament church. But we have to, if we do a little further examination, we see that, again, New Testament was a theme, uh, I'm sorry, justice was a theme that was carried into the New Testament especially by the words of jesus so much so that jesus slammed the religious elite that we're not practicing justice at all in fact he writes woe to you pharisees because you give god a tenth of your mint your rue and all of the kinds of garden herbs but you neglect justice and the love of god you should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone Again, he's saying, you know, you did all the religious stuff right. You even gave a tenth of your income, tenth of everything that came in. You did all the good stuff, but you neglected the more weightier of issue. The, more, the thing that's more important to me is justice. And then, again, further on in the, in, in, in the Gospels, you get this kind of this scary verse that I think all of us like to skip over. It's a verse where Jesus kind of suggests that the people that don't practice justice are destined for hell. Matthew writes... Depart from me. You were accursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. Oh, man, I don't like that verse. So again, again, why do we practice justice it's because we serve a God who is just we serve a, a Lord who is just and again we are to reflect the justice of God the justice of Christ but really I think the why goes a little bit deeper a little bit deeper because we're not only we're not only supposed to reflect the justice of, justice of God we're supposed to help other people reflect God specifically reflect the image of God that they were robbed of because of sin. Now it doesn't take again a genius to understand that that sin tarnished the image of God in all people. Again, we were designed in the image of God. Where they have the attributes of God to be holy and righteous and just and all the other attributes of God. We were supposed to have the dignity and worth, a sense of real identity. But sin threw a whole wrench in that situation and, again, tarnished the image of God in all people. And so God is a God of justice. We're to be a God of justice. And so what we do is we partner with God. We're to be partnered with God to be able to, to come alongside people and to begin to help them align back their image with God. In other words, we are in the restoration business is what we are. And so what it means is that, again, justice is not just something we do. Justice is a kingdom issue. Justice is part of the kingdom building agenda. Which means, among other things, that if justice is not a, a liberal cause. Justice is not a conservative cause. Justice is not a democratic cause. Justice is not a republican cause. Justice is a kingdom cause that we're all called to play a part in. Which means, again, that we can redefine how Christians view social justice. That social justice, as we see it, is giving all people their due as people made in the image of God. All people their due as made in the image of God. All people have a right to be returned back to that image of the creator. And so what this definition does, by adding that extra little line, that extra little phrase, is it gives justice something to hang his hat on it's not just this thing out there that the culture talks about it gives justice again some, some sort of a meat the why behind it that's why we do justice and again that's a, that's a that, what that means is that we don't go out there and just do things like you know having a cause to make sure everybody gets equal education or equal health care or, or, or rights or all that kind of stuff those are all good things that we should do But those are just, taking care of those things are just band-aids. Those are the external things that the culture focuses on. Our aim is bigger than that. Our aim is aiming at the heart, aiming at the identity of people and doing the work involved to restore people again into the image of God or what some people would call the shalom of God, complete wholeness. That's the target that we're after. And again, that's a little bit different than I think culture would see it. And in fact, I don't even think most people in culture could give a definition. They might be able to give a definition of social justice, but it's hard to give the why behind social justice because if you're not attaching it to anything but God, it's just fluff. Fluff that's going to go away. Anyway, you may be thinking, well, that's a lot of stuff to take in. You know, Chuck, you give me a lot of reasons why, but, but, but how do you do justice? How, how should Christians do justice? That's just why they do justice, but how do they do it? And I stand here today by no means as an expert on social justice. In fact, I didn't even want to give this sermon. I just really didn't feel qualified to stand up and talk about social justice. So I can't really tell you exactly how to do social justice, but I can leave you today with basically a couple things you don't do when you're doing justice, and maybe three things that you should do when you're doing justice. The first thing that you don't do, is that you don't make social justice a fashion statement. I was reading an article, I was doing my research, and I came across an article that was entitled, Social Justice Activism Has Become Another Fashion Accessory. This by, let me preface this by saying, this is written by a, a, a liberal Muslim. Just so you know, it's not written by a conservative. Okay? And he writes, like a nose ring. A contrived candid pose and a retro photo filter activism injects a desirable aesthetic into one's social media persona, but do we call decision what do we call decisions to make made to look good fashion decisions? if your actions are truly about helping the less fortunate, why flaunt it? Those are tough words, but they're true words because we live in a age of social media and platform which means that the time it takes to upload a video or a a photo to your instagram or wherever you send that thing you've got hundreds maybe thousands of people ready to applaud you for your activism and again it becomes a a self-centered thing and we're all guilty of it even myself now I've loaded pictures up, you know, of me holding a, a baby in Mexico or doing a vacation Bible school in the Dominican Republic or even giving out free turkeys, you know, uh, on, on outside. We used to do some of you may, as a some of you may remember about I don't know, it was 10 years or so ago when we started, I don't remember, but we decided we were going to give away at least 150 or 200 frozen turkeys to people in the community that didn't have their own. Turkey, basically, you know, it was kind of you could make a very good case that it was a justice cause. We were ensuring that everybody had a turkey, which was a good cause again. But the bad thing is that what I decided to do is to send out a press release, let the news know that this is something really cool that Bellevue Christian Church is doing, and you should come and you should see what's happening here. And sure enough, they showed up. I think they interviewed me? You know, we were on the evening news. And again, to see what a cool church, Bellevue Christian Church is. Without any consideration that the people that were standing outside for an hour to wait for a $10 turkey maybe did not want themselves on the evening news. See, in our effort to, again, to to give justice to people, that justice was overshadowed by the injustice of exploiting somebody. So again, don't use it as a fashion statement. Another don't, oh, I'm sorry, as Jesus says, be careful not to do your acts of righteousness or justice before men. To be seen by them, if you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Or the message puts it very bluntly. He writes, be especially careful when you're trying to be good so that you don't make a performance out of it. It might be good theater, but the God who made you won't be applauding. And so, again, that's the first thing you don't want to do. The second don't thing is don't allow the media to dictate your causes. You know, the media is about, again, promoting or or at least um, giving news stories about the the current hot topic cause. And they're very good at at it. Making sure that the current cause is at the front of your screen, on the computer, or on your the news at night, wherever you watch it, that that current cause is there. But those causes kind of jump around a little bit. Because usually what happens in a day or two, a few days, depending on the cause, people get bored of one cause, and so they have to show another cause. Because, again, they're about selling news. They're not about promoting causes. They're about selling news, and that's what they do. They don't want you to get bored. They've got to keep the causes fresh on there. Now the problem is, what happens is we allow ourselves at times to follow uh, the news media, Allow them to dictate the cause that we should be following at the moment. So we'll we find ourselves jumping around back and forth over and over to different, different causes depending on what's on the evening news that night. And when I thought about it, it reminded me of the game, Whack-A-Mole. Anybody know Whack-A-Mole? Whack-A-Mole is a carnival game, whatever. You know, the idea is you got these plastic moles jumping up and your job is to hit them down as fast they pop up, but as soon as you try to do it, another one popped up over here. That's what's going on with the news, and that's what's going on with many social activists. There's there's a news story popping up over here on immigration or health care, whatever it is, and they try to go after it. And then something else pops up over here on women's rights, racial equality, whatever it is. They go after that one. And by the end of it, they're totally exhausted and never really making any sort of dent in any of the causes. It's because they forget that these causes didn't pop up overnight, a lot of them have a long, long history. And you're not going to be able to solve that injustice overnight. So when you go after a cause, don't follow the, let the media dictate that. You know, go after the cause, but again, go after it knowing that you're probably going to be in it for the long run. And somewhat related to that is the idea of making sure that you you, you, you do your homework. In other words, you ask questions. You know, the causes that we see on television are not as black and white as we think they are. When you have an image on TV or a video on TV, there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that we never see. And, as, and we should ask questions about it because if we ask questions about it, we might find more information that will change how we address that particular cause. A good illustration of this is actually a a commercial by um, Ally Bank. I haven't seen any commercials on TV lately about them. But basically, Ally Bank was a bank that wanted to set itself apart as the bank that put people above profits. That they were the caring bank. And so they produced a a series of 30-second videos that really did a great job of, again, demonstrating that they were the caring bank, that they were the... The Fairbank, they want to make sure that everybody got their just due. And I, I actually pulled up one of the clips. I wanted you to watch it just to, to let you see what it's about, and then I'll talk about it here shortly. now i heard some stickers there you know i don't know if the, the ad got pulled because maybe it was offensive to people who knows but to me again it does a great illustration saying you know of tugging of, of how media can tug at your heartstrings can play you so to speak Now, this is where I'm going to ask you a little participation. I'm not going to ask you anything weird, but I am going to ask everybody would just close their eyes just so you don't see everybody else's answer. But I want a show of hands, with your eyes closed, of who believes that both girls should have got the live pony. All right. Show of hands. How many of you kind of would side with the man and thinking, well, maybe she didn't deserve a... A live pony? Why should she have a live pony? Anybody side with the man? Hmm. Go ahead, you can open your eyes now, but again, it's just what I thought. You had most people that were believing that the girls should both receive the live pony. They should both have access to that pony, right? That's the only right thing to do. But what if I said you were missing some information? You know, maybe, maybe what if I told you that the man had told the, 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 the little girl, the first little girl's mother had told the banker that my girl is deathly allergic to horse hair. Did they both still get a pony? What if I were to say that, you know, they, 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 the, the, the one, the first girl lived in an apartment and she had no way of being able to, to take care of this pony? Or what if I say she was actually, the first girl was actually a very wealthy girl and she had three ponies. She didn't take care of them in fact she might have even abused them would that change your decision at all uh, you know or what if i what if it wasn't uh, talking about a plastic pony and, and a real pony but it was talking about a plastic gun and a real gun would that change your mind now i don't have answers i just ask the questions which is what all you should be doing is asking questions Don't just take things that you see on TV or the news media at at face value. Understand that there's probably a lot more going on behind the scenes than you realize. And so again, do your homework. The second thing that we need to do is do justice in your own community. See there's something very exciting and sexy going out and joining the national bandwagon to jump on their justice issues, right? But we forget there's all sorts of justice issues going on that need, or injustices going on in our community and even going on in our church. You know, some of you know, you, uh, we produced awesome, produced a great video a few weeks ago about the refugee community that meets here Sunday night. And some people have a real passion for helping the refugees and the immigrants. You know, if you have that passion, you don't have to go overseas, you don't have to go anywhere, just go, go come here on a Sunday night and ask Pastor Krishna or Pastor Jason and say, You know what? I came, I just want to serve you. I just want to help you. I know you're probably dealing with a lot of issues. It's tough being a, a refugee population in Bellevue. How can I help you? How can I serve you? Can I, do your kids need to be watched? Do your teenagers need to be tutored? You know, do you need, you need a break some night? Is there anything I could train you with? Again, you know, these are, those are justice and injustice issues that could be, be dealt with. Do, I, do you need somebody to sit down with some of your people and help them draw up a real resume so that they can pull themselves up from the, the service jobs at the casino that 200 of them basically are employed doing? Why can they only get the service jobs? Because of injustice. You know, the Bible is big on helping widows. At last count, I'm sure we have at least six Widows in the church. You want to help a widow? You know, widows are dealing with injustices all the time. They can't get adequate transportation. That's why some of them can't even come here. They can't get somebody to shovel the snow and so they're getting ticketed by the burrow or mow their lawn or rake their leaves or whatever it is. You know, they're injustices. Another injustice is that they're sometimes excluded from community. And so justice would be Coming alongside this widow and saying, you know, can I sit with you tonight? Do you need some company? Do you want to be part of our DC community? That would be justice. And then some of you may know or may not know that all of a sudden we seem to be a church that is, has a lot of foster kids and foster parents. We also know that we have grandparents who are raising their grandchildren because their kids or ill equipped to raise those kids, or they're addicted to drugs or opioids or whatever, or they've died. We also know there's single parents out there that, are, again, are struggling to raise their kids in this society to make ends meet. You know, there are things that you can do to come alongside them, give them a meal, you know, watch their kids, whatever it is, that, again, would help close the gap between the injustice of their situation and the justice. And really another thing that we can do, the third thing to do, is to do an examination of your own heart. Because that's where all the injustices lie. Going back to the idea that every injustice at its root is sin. It is. Every injustice can be traced back to sin. And most sins can be traced back to individuals, including ourselves. In fact, it was Jesus who said, For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander, collectively referred to as injustices. So sometimes we're participating in injustices that we're not aware of. We're not aware of. You know, have we, have we maybe somehow have we experienced some sort of a hatred in our heart? towards somebody who doesn't maybe follow our justice path or a different political affiliation, a different race or whatever? Jesus would call that murder. The biggest uh, uh, injustice. Do we listen to or do we participate if do we tell a joke that is directed towards a minority or a profane joke that's directed towards a person of the opposite sex? That's an injustice. Do you purchase products? by corporations that end up driving minorities out of business. That's an injustice. The point is that, that don't, you don't have to go far to look for injustice because you just start at your own heart because that's where the injustices begin, all of them begin. And again, when I say this, I, going back to the idea that, that justice is not a liberal thing, not a conservative thing, not a Democrat thing, not a Republican thing, a Republican thing, not a black thing, not a white thing. But what it is is again, it's a it's a it's a people thing. It's something that affects us all. Again, because we know that Paul reminds us all have fall short of the glory and the justice of God. And so, yeah, we are to pursue justice, but all the while knowing that again we have injustices in our own heart that need to be dealt with. And I need to wind this up, but you know. In summary, you know, you're thinking about all this stuff, you realize that maybe I made justice a a messier thing than it needs to be. And justice is a messy thing. It's very difficult to do justice in an unjust world. But we're called to do justice. We're called to do justice. And so we go out and we try to figure out how to do justice in an unjust world, all the while knowing we're going to be pretty clunky at it. But we still do it. All the while knowing the good news of Isaiah, The good news is that one day a king will come and that king, he, Jesus, will reign on David's throne and over all his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteous from that time on and forever. Let us pray. Thanks for listening. If that teaching moved you or left you with questions, let us know by sending a message to hello at bellbychristian.church. And be sure to subscribe to this podcast for a new teaching from us every single week.